Good morning again. It's good to see all these smiling faces looking back at me. I thought there would be, a, you know, a little more time, so I stuck this cough drop in my mouth. And I told you last week I wouldn't do that because it bounces off my teeth and I get on my nerves with it. I know it'll be on y'all's nerves. Um, so anyway, bear with me. We're going to work through this, right? John chapter 3, starting in verse 18. We're going to revisit in part where we were at last week. We didn't get to all of this, so we'll go back and, uh, and catch it this week. I'm in John chapter 3, and we're going to start reading in verse 18, and we will go through verse 21. John chapter 3, verse 18. Last week we called our message the simple gospel. And this week I would say we would call our message the simple gospel too. <laughs> We're going to try to stick with that mindset and, and that thought process of um, talking about the very basics <coughs> of the gospel. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we humble ourselves before you this morning to say thank you for another day. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be gathered in your house to study your word, to worship your name. Father, I just ask that you would guide us through, that you would show us what you would have us to gain, Father, that everything would be done for the purpose of growing us closer to the reflection of your glory that you desire for us to be. I pray, Father, that every word that comes out of my mouth is, is, is your words. Father, that my opinions will be, would be locked up and hidden, that you would hide me behind the cross, and I would be only a vessel that you use to get your word to your people. I thank you, I love you, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, someone may have accidentally mentioned um, in front of Kevin at some point this week that uh, we didn't get out until 1230 last week. That would make him really proud of me if you had have done that, but it's not about that. And of course, you didn't mention that Linda used 20 of those minutes because then that would be a reflection in the other way, right? Amen. Y'all going to sleep or what? Am I just not funny anymore? Maybe I've lost my humor. That wouldn't be surprising to me because my wife's been telling me for a long time that I'm not near as funny as I think I am. So, hey, that's the wrong spot for that, Ronnie. All right, this morning, we're going to be talking about two different people groups. <coughs> Y'all know what a people group is, right? A people group 
is a group of people that have a shared common something. For some people it could be ethnicity, for sometimes it could be a particular religion, for sometimes it could just be a, a, a location where you're from would make you a part of a people group. This morning we're going to talk about two different people groups. And the first people group is those who believe in him. According to verse 18, him, verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned. He who believes in him is not condemned. So the first group of people we're going to talk about is those who believe in Jesus Christ. This morning in Sunday school class, and, and uh, um, what do we call it? We don't call that the old people class. What do we call it, Mac? Huh? That's what Miss Faye calls it. It is. She said last week at them that a woman was in front of her and made her late to church. What would you call it, Mac? Senior, uh, adult class. Just straight up adult class. All right, so this morning I went to the adult class. The reason I thought it was an older class is because Eddie taught it. <laughs> we, talk, we talked in there this morning about diversity and we talked about being able to have an impact on, on um, people from different walks of life and people that have encountered uh, diff life differently than we have and we looked at Paul as an example and how he did it. All right, now we're going to talk about two different people groups, and it says, he who believes in him shall not be condemned. We're going to list some things that apply to one people group that don't apply to the other people group that we'll be talking about. And the first thing that I see in this, in, in our first people group, is that that people group shall not be condemned. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, this is reiterated. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. All right, so those who believe can also be categorized as those who walk in the Spirit. And for those who walk in the Spirit and those who follow Christ, there is no condemnation. No condemnation. Not here on earth and not at a later time. So I looked up the word condemnation. And that is the state of being condemned. I went, well, cool. I kind of knew that. So I went a little further and worked, looked up the word condemned. And condemned is to declare reprehensible, wrong or evil, without reservation. They got a little deeper all of a sudden. So, <coughs> condemnation would then mean it is the state of being declared reprehensible, wrong, or evil without reservation. That's condemned. In other words, when something is condemned, it doesn't matter who it belongs to, right? If they come in and condemn a home or they condemn a building, do they ask who it belongs to to determine whether or not it's condemned? It don't matter. If it's, if it's not usable, it's not usable. That was one of the other definitions that I found was being deemed unusable. So those who are in Christ, those who believe, cannot be condemned. There is therefore no condemnation, right? So nobody, nobody nowhere can look at me and go, you're useless. 
Nobody nowhere, because I'm a follower of Christ, not because of who my mom and dad are, not because of where I was born or where I come from or where I go to church, but because I am a follower of Jesus Christ, because I have a desire to walk in the Spirit and I make an attempt to walk in the Spirit and to live my life according to what Jesus desires from me, I cannot be condemned. Nobody can come along and say, you are condemned. You are not usable. You are evil. But for those who do not believe, which is our other people group, the opposite must be true. There is condemnation. When we were talking about diversity and inclusion, this not inclusion, I said the wrong word. We didn't talk about inclusion. We talked about diversity. And what a lot of times people tie to diversity is inclusion. We don't hurt anybody's feelings. So in other words, I'm not allowed in a lot of places to stand up and declare that Jesus Christ is the only way. I can say that he is one way, but I'm not allowed to say he is the only way. Why? Because that means I'm, I'm telling somebody else their way isn't the right way. Right? Tough. Because the truth, the truth. And Jesus Christ, according to his own words, in John chapter 14, verse 6, he is the only way. That's it. No one gets to the Father but by me is the last part of that verse. So it doesn't matter. All right, so we've, got, we've divided into two separate people groups, those who believe in Jesus Christ and those who do not. Keep going with me. Something else I noticed. Um, John chapter 6, verse 40. <clears throat> there's something else. Now, this is not an all-inclusive list. I'm only going to look at about three things that I picked out, that God showed me as I studied, but this is, not an all, this is not a complete list. There's a lot of these, but these are just some of the things. John chapter 6, verse 40. This is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Everlasting life is not promised to everybody that's born. You know, I've been lied to a lot in my life. Sometimes intentionally and sometimes not so much. One of the things I've noticed is every time I go to the funeral home, somebody tries to convince me that that person is in a better place. So that means that every person that has died that I attended their funeral in a better place. According to Scripture, that can't be true. According to Scripture, few, narrow is the gate, right? And few will find it. Broad is the path, and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. That also tells me that according to these verses and according to what we're studying this morning, there's no way that everybody sitting under my voice this morning is good. <laughs> there's no way. I can't come in here and assume that everybody in here is saved, their salvation is secure, and they're walking the path that leads them to heaven. I can't assure, I can't. And there's no guarantee that just because you were born, you will have everlasting life. It's not there. And see, this is the root of the gospel. This is the very, the very foundations of everything else that we do here. 
So the first priority for me is to make sure that you have a clear and vivid understanding that it's not your church attendance that secures your salvation. It's not who you were born to that secures your salvation. It's not where your name is on the roll that secures your salvation. Your salvation is only secure through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He who believes. For everybody else, there is condemnation. For everybody else, there is no everlasting life. It's only through one source. And it's not automatic. You're not born into it. As a matter of fact, according to Romans 8.23, every one of us were born into sin. Every single one of us. So we're trying to get back to a restored situation, back to a place of, of original intent when God created us. God created us to be reflections of His glory. That was broken with the eating of the forbidden fruit. And now our whole journey is to get back to that place. And that journey begins... with a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not guaranteed to any one of us. Alright, so if condemnation is promised not to happen to those who do believe, our first people group, then the second people group will no doubt see condemnation. If everlasting life is promised to our first people group, then the opposite must be true for the other people group. Right? You see, there's no middle ground here. I've not got them busted up into 15 cages. I've, ju I've just got us in two groups. And this is everybody in the world. This isn't just everybody in this building. This is every single person alive. That You're in one of two of these groups. You're, you're either in relationship with Jesus Christ or you're not. And if you are, then there's great things to come. Look at John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received him, him being Christ, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, <coughs> who were born not... Remember last week we talked about everything, everything that's born of the flesh is flesh and everything born of the spirit is spirit. Here, here's a confirmation on that. In John chapter 1 verse 13, those who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Man, this verse can go so many different directions. This verse speaks on so many different things. This, this verse confirms so many different things in me about where I stand on certain issues. Because see, part of being a follower of Christ is knowing and understanding where I stand because there's so many issues out there floating around us today in, in our society, in our culture. So many things that people have all these different opinions about. And I don't get to choose where I stand. I just have to confirm where I stand. I get to go to God's word and go, where do you want me to stand? And I have to stand right there, no matter, no matter whose feelings it hurts, no matter how much of my family agrees or disagrees, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's the Democrats or the Republicans that are for it. It doesn't matter. 
it really doesn't. I have to stand where God says stand. That, that's how I show the world that I am a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ. I can't blend in with the rest of the world. I can't look like everybody else. I can't talk like everybody else. I have to stand out. There has to be something different about me as a follower of Jesus Christ. If there's not a difference, what am I doing? There's no way to be a light. We're going to talk about darkness here shortly. There's no way to be a light in darkness if I just look like the rest of the darkness. <laughs> there has to be something that stands out. There has to be something different. Along with this condemnation that doesn't come that to one people group that comes to the other, along with the everlasting life, along with the right to be children of God. You know, this last one here, as a believer of, in Jesus Christ, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I am, I am given the opportunity to be called a child of God. And I don't know if you know it or not, but God has made a whole lot of promises to His children. The promises of God don't apply to everybody. They're, they're, you're not, you don't have access to those promises just because you were born. You have to be born again to, to have the, the, the solid foundation of knowing that the things God promised, he's talking to me. Everybody don't have that luxury. It's not an automatic. You know, along with condemnation comes wrath. And I, I, wanna, I, I just want to just take your mind there. First of all, wrath of God... Uh, wrath is divine chastisement. Wrath of God is what every one of us deserve. That's what we deserve, is the wrath of God. We don't get it as children of God because of His grace and His mercy. He holds back what we deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve, right? The wrath of, what does the wrath of God look like? What does it look like to be condemned? What does the wrath of God look like? You remember the story of Noah? <coughs> Noah had to build an ark, right? Noah and his family and, and two, arguably two of every animal got on. I say arguably because it wasn't just two of each animal. They had to eat something, right? They had to sacrifice something, right? It wasn't just two. But anyway, and that's in Scripture. We can go look at it sometime when you get a chance. Read it a little closer, and it does say two by two, but he goes on to tell about seven of the cleans. And anyway, I'm just, y'all ain't with me. I can just feel y'all ain't getting me this morning. It's okay. Hey, there's some days I don't like my voice either. It's all right. You ain't making me mad. So Noah loads up this ark, this great big boat, and then something happens. Starts to rain. And rain. And rain. And rain. And it rained. And the entire rest of the world was flooded. What the rest of the world experienced is called the wrath of God. What happened to the rest of the world? What happened to all those people? Noah wasn't the only people here. There was lots of people here by that time. You know what happened to them? They drowned. They died. That's what the wrath of God looks like. The wrath of God is a removal of life. <laughs> Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Entire cities 
that were utterly and completely, no doubt about it, destroyed. That's the wrath of God. See, everybody wants to talk about the love of God. And it's a wonderful subject and it's a great thing, but it's more to it than just the love of God. Everybody wants to holler at me, you can't judge me. You're right, and I have no desire to. But what I can do is look at God's word and point at you and go, that's not right. That, that's not okay. And it's not not okay because I don't like it. It's not not okay because God says it's not. As a matter of fact, not only can I do that, I'm told to do that. Am I not told to be my brother's keeper? So when I see something that doesn't line up with God's word, I'm told to point that out. Because when you don't call it what it is, we just rename it, everybody gets comfortable with it, and before you know it, everybody's doing it. If we called it what it was, nobody would want any part of it. If we called abortion murder, everybody would go, well, I don't want to be a murderer. If we took it a step deeper than that and just call it sin... I'm not judging anybody. I'm just telling you that according to the word of God, it's not okay. It doesn't matter how, who I think I am or where I came from or who says it's okay. None of that matters. We have to establish these things and we start by, by starting at the beginning. We start with the simple gospel and have an understanding of the simple gospel. First and foremost, there's only one way to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. And if I'm not in relationship with him, I'm not going to make it. There's a lot of things that come with that that everybody else thinks they get to and they don't. You're either with him or you're not. There's no riding the fence and there's no middle ground. It doesn't matter how many days your grandparents went to church. Even if they built the church, it don't matter. I told you last week, anything we tie to salvation, anything we tie to Jesus on the cross, we're looking at him and going, what you did wasn't enough, let me add this. Go back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 verse 19. We've seen that those who believe in Christ... is not condemned. Which means those who don't are. Verse 19, this is the condemnation. All right, he's, he's fixing to give us his explanation of condemnation. He's fixing to show us why it's there, where it comes from, what's, the, what's it the result of. It's going to be a very <coughs> vivid picture for you to look at. <clears throat> Verse 19, this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. The light has come into the world, but men love darkness more than light. And he even explains why that is, why it is that men love darkness more than light. He goes on and he says in verse 19, the latter part of that verse, because their deeds were evil. See, that not only, it, it, you know, it's, it's almost heartbreaking that, that salvation is exclusive, so to speak. In other words, I can see where people get their feelings hurt when I stand up and say that Christ is the only way to heaven. 
I, because they've been taught something else all their life and it hurts their feelings. But the good news to this is it's a choice and it's available to anybody. No matter where you're from, no matter your background, no, no, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. It's whether or not you choose to have a relationship with Christ. Why would anybody pass on this? The light came into the world and men loved darkness more than light. How could anybody? Because they didn't want what they were doing to be seen. You see, one thing's for sure, this is not a buffet. I cannot come in and pick the things I like and just leave the rest of it lay. If I'm going to follow Christ, I've got to follow all of his teachings. I've got to take it all serious. You see, it's easy to come in and, and find the good stuff and pick out the good stuff and make it be what I want it to be and conform this gospel to fit my lifestyle. And it's going on around us all, every day. That's happening. People are conforming the gospel to fit their needs. That's not how it works. I have to conform me. Erase that thought. I have to allow God to conform me to fit this gospel. I have to be flexible. I'm not looking for a flexible gospel because it doesn't exist. I have to be the part that's flexible so that I fit into this gospel. Because we all want to latch on to the love of God and we all want to latch on to the fuzzy things in the gospel, but none of us want to hear the hard stuff. If Jesus himself became pastor of this church, I'm afraid most of us wouldn't attend here no more. Go back and look at his teachings. Go back and look at what he taught. He didn't, he didn't leave no room for what I've always... But he, it was cut and dried. Some of it was hard to accept. So hard, in fact, that he went from hundreds of followers to 70 followers to 12. You know why? Because it was hard. And it was going to get harder. And it was going to be tough. And he told, I mean, there was, there was people that said, let me, before I follow you, let me go bury my father. And he goes, oh, let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. What? Y'all wouldn't put up with that. Never one of you. You wouldn't put up with that. There were people that he said, if you've got your hand on the plow and you look back, you're useless to me. And you know what was behind them? Their families, their jobs, their lifestyles. And he said, if any of that gets your attention more than me, you're useless to me. Think of that. I ain't never told y'all that. But it's the truth. It's the, it's the truth. What Christ wants is all of you, not just your best. Not just, he wants all of you. And he wants you sold out 110%. And he wants nothing ahead of him in your list of priorities. Nothing whatsoever. See, th this gospel is real. This isn't some fairy tale that somebody made up. 
when, when, when we start loving darkness more than light, it shows where we stand. You don't have to confess to anything. Every, God already knows. He already knows the reason you don't like the light is because there's evil deeds that you don't want to be seen. The reason you don't want to stand beside the light and you'd rather cling to the darkness is because there's easier things to... Look here, go to... Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Go to John 1, 4. John chapter 1, verse 4. <coughs> John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and life was light of men. This is talking about Jesus again. If you go back and restart reading in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Still talking about the same him, talking about Christ. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Look at this. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You realize we're talking about two people groups, right? And the, these verses I just read are talking about that same group, two groups. The people who love the light or love Christ, follow Christ, believe in Christ, and the people who don't. And if you don't love the light, you love darkness. And the reason you love darkness is because your deeds will be seen when you come to the light and you don't want everybody seeing all that. Montana come in the room not long, well, every time she comes in the room now because I laughed at it the first time, I didn't have a shirt on. I came into the living room with no shirt. My shirt was in the dryer and I was going through and she goes, Papa, ain't nobody want to see all that. <laughs> and I said, Montana, I know, but my shirt's in yonder. And you know, I, I think that people avoid light. You know why? Because ain't nobody wants to see all that. They don't want it all exposed. They don't want everything exposed, right? That's why they stay with the darkness. Look, in Job, we get this. I think it's Job. I think I'm going to get out of order here. <clears throat> I'm going to cause trouble. Verse 20. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Job chapter 24, verse 13. Job 24, 13. Job chapter 24, verse 13. There are those who rebel against the light. They do not know its ways, nor abide in its paths. We're talking about light. The murderer rises with the light. He kills the poor and needy in the night. He is like a thief. The eye of the adulterer waits for the twilight, saying, No eye will see me, and he disguises his face. In the dark they break into houses, which they marked for themselves in the daytime. They do not know the light. For the morning is the same to them as the shadow of death. If someone recognizes them, they are in the terrors of the shadow of death. What an explanation of why people love light, darkness instead of light. Because I can't imagine anybody having a desire to live in the dark. 
How many of you come unglued when the lights go out? Huh? Now what am I going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know. Calm down. It'll be okay. They're going to go back on. Uh, they're on the way. Have you called them? Call them again. No, it's okay. It's okay. Don't we? We come unglued. Why? Because you can't do nothing in the dark. You can't do nothing without electricity. So why in the world would people love the dark? You know why? Because they got things they don't want to be seen with. See, salvation is a choice. It is a free gift. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you've been through. I did the display last week of the $20 bill. $20 bill is worth $20. When you crumble it up, it's still worth $20. When you throw it in the floor and stomp on it, it's still worth $20. I left this sermon and went and spent that $20, and nobody asked me about any of the creases in that. You know why? Because its value was the same. It was. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter that the world may have crumbled you up. It doesn't matter that the world may have thrown you on the ground and stomped on you. It doesn't matter what, how this world has treated you, where you've come from. To God, you are still worth the same thing you were the day he created you. You're not worth any less to him. That He, he says, and I've told this before, I'm going to tell it one more time just so y'all don't ever forget it. We have a big old book in the office at work, and I've been meaning to bring one of these things, but they're kind of expensive, and my boss keeps a real close eye on it. He don't really want me leaving with it. <laughs> it's about yay thick, about this, by this. <clears throat> and in, inside it is the, the results of auctions all over the world dealing with pieces of equipment. So if you wanted to go and buy you a, a, a Caterpillar 963C, you'd go to that little book and you'd look up Caterpillar 963C and you'd have your serial number and you'd go down through there and find a serial number as close as you can get to your serial number because you're, you're, the one you buy may not have ever been auctioned, so it may not really be in there, but it's a lot of them in there, so you can get close. And out beside it will tell you what somebody gave for one of them lately. You know what that is that's real value. That's not what somebody thinks it's worth. That's not what somebody, because you know what? You can ask whatever you want. Look, Go look on Craigslist. Look at what some of these poor fellas is asking for these Ford trucks and these Dodge trucks with these Cummins diesels. I looked at one the other day. I promise you 2006, 255,000 miles on it. I thought, well, heck, a man might get that and worth the money. Yeah, $30,000. I'm going, see, that's what he wants it to be worth. That ain't really what it's worth because it's still in there for sale. But what I'm talking about is real value, and that's what the purpose of this book I'm telling you about is, is so you can know the real value, not just what somebody thinks it's worth. Somebody, Something's worth what somebody's willing to give for it, right? What's this worth? Well, evidently about $1.69 because we pay it all the time, don't we? Right? What, what, what's, what's this worth? Whatever I can get out of it. That's what it's really worth. So what are you worth? You're to die for. You know how I know you're worth dying for? Because Jesus done did it. I looked up your serial number and it's in the book. He died for you. Just like he died for me. And that's not what I hope you're worth. That's not what I wish you was worth. I'm telling you that's real value because somebody done paid the price. It's done been paid. 
So therefore, it is a genuine value. It ain't somebody asking some ridiculous price for you. It's what somebody done paid for you. You are to die for. You are worth dying for to Christ. You know what the person next to you is worth? Same thing. You know what your neighbor at home is worth? Same thing. You know what that fella at work you just can't hardly get along with is worth? Same thing. Same thing. Same value. They deserve the same opportunity that I got. And it's there. It's about making a choice to follow what Christ has said. According to verse 21. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Two different people groups. We can call them a lot of different things. Believers and non-believers would be two different people groups. Followers and non-followers would be two different people groups. People that love light and people that love dark, two different people groups. We could even go on down here to the end of verse 21 and, and go, those who've done it for God and those who've done it for self. Those who are doing it for God and those who are doing it for anything else. See, the truth of the matter is, the truth of the gospel, what I really want you to understand from the two messages from the last two weeks is this. There's only one way. There's only one way. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. No one gets to the Father but by Him. Period. Nobody. No matter where you've come from, no matter, no matter who you parent, it doesn't matter how many years you've been a member of a church. It don't matter. And all of this thought process stemmed from sitting beside a, a lady and holding her hand and going, there ain't but one thing I need to know. I mean, the end draweth nigh. All I want to know is, do you look forward to the end? And she said, I can't wait to meet my Jesus. I want every one of you to be able to say the same thing. I can't wait. Because I'm telling you, if, if you're not a believer, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, that's not a good thing. Death should be scary. Death should scare you. Because what's coming is the wrath of God, separation from Him for eternity. But as a believer and as a follower, great things are to come. Awesome, indescribable things are to come. Work songs will be sung that we don't, we, the angels don't even know the words. Don't assume anything. Make sure that beyond a shadow of a doubt, before, next week we'll have the, the folks from Tennessee Baptist Children's Home and then we're going to move forward from there and, and we're gonna, I'm going to leave the first steps of the simple gospel behind, but I don't want to do that until I know that you have had an opportunity to know and understand what salvation is. Because without salvation, the rest of this stuff does not matter to you. The rest of the book don't matter to you without salvation. Because all this stuff is not promised to just everybody randomly. It's promised to the children of God. And we're children of God because of a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the only way. So you've got to get that step first.
Let's pray. Father and our God, we do again humble ourselves before you to say thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for each one in attendance this morning. I pray, God, that as you've spoken to our hearts, that you will give us the courage to stand up and, and do what you've said do. I pray, Father, if there's one here this morning that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, that they would be troubled to the point that they can't leave here until they've come to know you and accept you and trust you. Father, I thank you again for this great opportunity. And I just ask that you would guide us through the remainder of our service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat>